Thanks for joining the Church at Nolensville Sermon Podcast. We exist to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. Anytime, anywhere, with anybody. Hey everybody, good morning and welcome to the church at Nolensville. I have a few special guests with me today. I have my family joining me on platform today. We have Pastor Jay Fennell, our discipleship and connections minister. And you know Justin Twido, our worship pastor. Social distancing, of course, but excited to have a few folks here with me today. And I'm excited to connect with you with God's word today. And I want to begin by asking you uh, what comes to mind when you think of a word and that word word is happiness. What comes to mind when you think of the word happiness? It's interesting. A lot of emotions bubble up, but let me give you the definition of happiness that I found. And it's this, it says, happiness is the feeling that comes over you when you know life is good and you can't help but smile. Happiness where it seems like life is going well and happiness, that's a good thing, right? Well, maybe the, the problem is Happiness is based on happenings and and happenings, they can change. See, our happiness is kind of based on, man, you know, if the stars align just right, if we have the right finances, if my future's headed in the right direction, got the right friends, got the right fiance. See, happiness is based on happenings, but, but what happens if the stars don't align right? Well, then all of a sudden, man, it's time for a change. I got to trade this out. I got to make new friends. I need a new relationship. And we just, we just keep believing that somehow people, places, or things are going to satisfy us. And that's why we're rarely happy and constantly dissatisfied. You know, well-known pastor tells a story, I think, that illustrates this. He tells the story of going to the grocery store. And anytime a man goes to the grocery store, he goes with his list because, man, we're hunters. We want to find it, we want to shoot it, and we want to bring it home. And anytime a man goes to a grocery store, there's, there's always two rules. Rule number one, you got to get the wrong thing. It's just, it's just what we do. Rule number two is you got to get something that's not on the list. Well, he not only got the wrong thing, but the thing he got that wasn't on the list was crab dip. And he got it because it was on sale, $3.99. And he's like, man, that stuff is normally $15.99 at a restaurant. So he's like, that's dirt cheap. I'm going to buy two because I'm headed to my life group. And I want to roll up into my life group and I want to impress them. Well, the problem was he rolled up into his life group and they ate it. And when they ate it, it tasted like nine-month-old mayonnaise and spam. They were like, yuck, what is this stuff? It's not crab dip. Well, they looked on the label and it said imitation crab meat. I don't don't know what imitation crab meat is, but yuck. And the the key word there is is imitation. And see, that's that's what the world does all the time. They, They provide an imitation of what's true and right and good by this. Get that, have this, because when you do that, then, then you're going to be happy. And we buy into the lie, we buy into the imitation, and then we're, we're still, we're not happy. And we're on a search for more in this life than what we've found. And God has placed that desire inside of you. But God wants to provide something far better than happiness. God wants you to experience the fullness of life, a life full of joy and pleasure and purpose. And listen, a life full of joy and pleasure and purpose doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days. It doesn't mean that your kids won't fight. It doesn't mean that your car doesn't break down or that you lose your job or that you experience the untimely death of a loved one. We walk through a pandemic. 
God never promised us a perfect life. But what he does promise us is something far greater than we can even imagine when we follow him. And what God promises us is a life that we'll never find on our own. And today we're beginning a new series called No Ordinary Sermon. And the reality is I'm, I'm very ordinary. I'm ordinary. But, but Jesus is not. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at one of Jesus's most famous sermons, the Sermon on the Mount. And you can find it in Matthew chapter five through chapter seven. I just want to prepare you before we dig in. Jesus is going to challenge the way that you think. Jesus is going to lean on you to embrace an eternal perspective. You're not going to find Jesus in here saying, hey, hey, where are you going in life? And hey, can I tag along? No, what you're going to find is Jesus saying, hey, this is where I'm going. Follow me. So as we prepare to jump in, you just need to know Jesus doesn't follow us. No, we follow Jesus. And we believe our life at times needs to look a certain way. But the problem is our desires are rarely God's best. And if God gave us the desires of our heart, it probably wouldn't bless us. And so what we're going to see is God's got a life for us full of purpose and joy and pleasure. Because Jesus knows where to find those things. And that's why we follow him and he leads us there. Let's pray together. So Jesus, we want to follow you. And we just want to confess that you don't follow us. We're looking for life and joy and pleasure and purpose. And I know it's found in you and I know it's found in your way. So God, help us to embrace that. Help us to become followers of you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. So the, the Sermon on the Mount is the first major teaching of Jesus found in all of the Gospels. And in the Sermon on the Mount, we find what it really means to live as a follower of Jesus. And sometimes a follower of Jesus is commonly referred to as a disciple. A disciple is one who is a follower of Jesus. And listen, I need to maybe... Um, correct some understanding here because a lot of people believe that discipleship, well, that's just reserved for the super Christians. Well, you know, the Sermon on the Mount is not for just the most committed believers. This is the heartbeat of Jesus's teaching for every Christian because all Christians are a disciple. This is for all people who follow Jesus. And in Matthew, you're going to find five different teachings of Jesus, sometimes called discourses that, that uh, Matthew lays out. I just want to give them to you because the Sermon on the Mount is one of them. Matthew's five discourses are Ma Matthew 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount. That's what we're going to look at for the next couple of weeks. But Matthew 10, Matthew 13, Matthew 18, and Matthew 24 through 25 are also major blocks of Jesus' teaching you might want to go look at. But the Sermon on the Mount is where we're going to spend our time for the next couple of weeks. So why don't we stand together, as we often do, and, and read God's Word together. We stand together out of honor of reading God's Word. So let's stand together. And we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. The Bible says this, When he, that's Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. 
Then he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who thirst, hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And blessed are the pure of heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow, you may be seated. And so when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, this is some of the most radical challenges to our discipleship found in scripture. And the Sermon on the Mount, it probably wasn't written or documented very early in Jesus's ministry. This is later on in his ministry. If you turn back to chapter four, you don't have to do that now, but you're going to see that Jesus has already been doing miracles. You're going to see that he's already traveled through most of Galilee. He's called disciples to him. His fame is spreading and he's, he's now amassed quite a following. And on this occasion, Jesus heads up on a mountain, which is pretty common in that area. And he had an inner group of disciples closest to them, uh, to him. And then there was a large group following them as well. And he goes up on the mountain and he sits down. And that was a common posture for teachers in his day. Disciples sat down next to him and he began to teach the disciples. But the crowds follow and they want to they sit down too. And Jesus knows that the crowd is there and he knows that there's listening. So he's teaching to his disciples, but he's also teaching so that those other listeners can hear as well. And in the opening of the Sermon on the Mount, what you're going to see is there's nine words repeated over and over and over again. Did you notice it? Did y'all catch the word that was repeated over and over again? It's the word blessed. Blessed are those, blessed are you. And and sometimes many of you may have heard of, of this passage of scripture referred to as the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes of Jesus, the repetition of blessed. And, and here's what blessed means. Blessed means fortunate. Fortunate are those. Some people have uh, said that blessed means happy. I don't really prefer that translation. I like fortunate. Fortunate are those who. And it comes from the Greek word makarios. And I love this. I just want to share this with you for a minute. Makarios means this. It's when a person is blessed or fortunate from God's perspective, even when he or she doesn't feel happy or isn't currently experiencing good fortune. They're blessed from God's perspective because there's more to life than just our temporary happiness that God wants to offer joy and pleasure and purpose that is so much bigger than just temporary happiness. And God's plan for you is so much bigger than you can even imagine. And Jesus said, blessed are the, and he lists nine things. Maybe it's just eight. I think verse 11 is actually connected to verse 10, just an expansion of verse 10. But he says, blessed are those. This is what your life looks like when you're following Jesus. This is the evidence that you're being a disciple of Jesus. Now, listen, you need to know that these aren't conditions 
for your salvation. This isn't something that you have to do to earn God's love. Jesus already earned that for us. Last week when we celebrated Easter, our sermon passage was Jesus saying, it is finished. And that's because it is. We, we don't do anything. Jesus earned it for us. Now this, these teachings, this is the evidence of growth in our lives as we follow Jesus. This is a picture of what our life looks like in the kingdom of God. And, and, and every one of these verses is a complete sermon. Every blessed are those who really does demand attention. But we can't cover every one of those today without just giving a little two-minute exposition and commentary on each. So we're not going to do that. What we're going to do today is we're just going to double-click on one. We're going to double-click on one of them. And then every day this week at the 9 a.m. Canon Home videos that we have been doing on Facebook and Instagram, I'm going to go back and I'm going to cover the rest of these. But today we're just going to look at verse 5. Today we're just going to look at verse 5. And I really think that God's going to speak a great word to you today about our current situation through verse five. And Jesus says this, he says, blessed are the humble for, for they will inherit the earth. And this flows perfectly out of the verses right before it, where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And poor in spirit there means to be spiritually bankrupt, to realize, hey, I don't have anything to offer God. And he says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. That's, that's mourning our own spiritual condition, that we really do grieve sin. Listen, an evidence of being a follower of Jesus Christ is that we really do have grief over our sin. I heard one guy say, hey, if there's no fight in your life over sin, if there's not a struggle to try to put sin to death, if there's no fight, there may not be a light. We're gonna talk about more of that this week, but, but Jesus says in this verse, blessed are the humble. And your Bible may say meek. We preach from the CSB version here. But what I want you to see is that the very first three Beatitudes teach us that a follower of Jesus doesn't insist on his or her own rights, that we have to have the correct posture before God. That's what you're seeing laid out here. It's a posture that says, hey, you're holy and I am not. You don't follow me, I follow you. And, and listen, as we talk about humility and meekness, you need to know that humility and meekness, it's not weakness, Humility and meekness is not weakness. Look at someone next to you if you're with someone and say, it's not weakness. It's not weakness. No. Humility and meekness is strength under control. True humility or meekness, it is a quality of the strong. Hey, I want to assert my will in this moment, but, but God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit to your will. Sometimes, God, I really do. If we're honest, God, I want you to follow me on my plans because I sometimes believe my way is best, but, but I'm under control here because I really do want to follow you and I really do believe your way is best. Humility and meekness is saying, man, everything's under control. My thoughts, my emotions, my actions. Life may not look like what I thought it would or what I wanted. And God, I know that you give good gifts, but it doesn't seem that way right now. It's not what I wanted. It's not when I wanted. It's not how I wanted, but I trust you. And I'm going to continue to follow you. And you only respond that way if you're under control. 
It's a whole lot easier to let your emotions and your thoughts lead you, but it takes strength to be under control. So I want you to think about it this way. Humility or meekness, I want you to write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, what do we do? Write this down. Humility and meekness is a willingness to follow Jesus even when his plans aren't yours. I'm gonna say that again. Humility, meekness, that's a willingness to follow Jesus even when his plans aren't yours. Because here's what happens. As soon as God's plans begin to look a little bit different from our plans, man, we bail out, we run. So listen, you have to stop believing that your way is always best. You have to, as you follow Jesus. It's part of our discipleship. And see, that's where humility kicks in. That's where meekness kicks in. I'm humble enough. A meekness, I have enough meekness in me to know that, man, I follow Jesus, but Jesus doesn't follow me. And so what I want is I want to say, Jesus, my life, it's your life. Use it as you see fit. Jesus, my hands and the, your hands, would you use them for your purposes? My feet, Jesus, or your feet, would you send them where you need them? Jesus, my mouth is your mouth. Would you give me the words to say to be a blessing to the world? And then suddenly when strength is under control, I'm following Jesus, not asking Jesus to follow me. Suddenly, man, you're living as a follower of Jesus like never before. And your faith, man, it's coming alive. His desires are becoming your desires. His purposes are becoming your purposes. You're being conformed into the image of Jesus. And now what you're saying is Jesus Man, your will be done, not mine. And suddenly, man, joy begins to flood in. Peace begins to flood in because I'm living, I'm living for something bigger than me. And it doesn't mean that life's perfect. It doesn't mean that it's pain-free. But it's blessed because God has something better for you than you can ever provide for yourself. Max Lucado tells a story, I'll make it my own, but I really think it, it helps drive this home. So I'm gonna ask a question, I want you to play along. So if you've ever been to the beach and, and, and you go to the beach and you, you find a fish and you take the fish out of the water and you put it up on the beach, is that fish going to be happy, yes or no? No, I mean, play along at home. And this is not a rhetorical question, I want you to be small and work with me. If you take a fish out of the water and you put him on the beach, is he gonna be happy, yes or no? Why? Well, well, there's no water. The fish is going to, he's going to gasp for air. Well, let me ask you a question. Well, what if, what if, what if you give that fish a million dollars? What if you give that fish a million dollars? Is that fish going to be happy then? No. Okay. Well, what if, what if you build that fish a sandcastle that would make the cover of any sandcastle magazine? What about then? Okay. Well, what if you give that fish a fish of the opposite gender? That is, well, let's just say. Amazing. I mean, ladies, that, that fish is given a guy fish that books were written about, about how that guy fish romanced there and, and pursued her. And you would come home every day with petals on the ground and that little fish six pack abs were gleaming in the sun while he changed all the diapers and did the dishes. And guys, what if, what if a, a girl fish was given who would always wear the outfit you bought her, cook dinner, and then sit down and watch Monday night football with you, assuming it comes back. Is the fish happy then? 
I mean, some of y'all are hesitating now. No. Why is the fish not happy in that moment? Because the fish was created for the ocean. The fish was not created for the beach. You've been created by God. And you've been created for God. And you keep looking for happiness in places you're never going to find it. And happiness, it's, it's based on happenings. And that's why you always feel like you're, you're chasing a dead end. But God wants you to find joy and purpose and pleasure in him. Because you were created for him. And you can have everything that this world has to offer and ultimately not be happy. Since Jesus has a life he wants to give you that you can't give for yourself. And the reality is this this earth, man, it's just a blip. The Bible says our life is a vapor. That we're here for a little while and then you're gone. But in the end, man, we are created to live forever with our king. That's why Matthew 5, 5 that we've been looking at says, Hey, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. Look at that. They will inherit the earth. It's not talking about this earth. Because there's a day coming. I know it's hard to imagine. But there's a day coming when Jesus makes everything right again. Sin, gone. Shame, gone. New heaven, new earth, the king ruling and reigning. But the Bible says, the Bible says we're going to be there with him with joy and pleasure and purposes that we can't even imagine. And we get to share in the inheritance of that day that we really do rule and reign with him. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are the meek. For they will inherit the earth. Strength under control. I don't want my way. My way is not getting me very far and it will never get me the life that I want. In fact, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. But Jesus says, follow me. And not only will you have joy and purpose and pleasure now, but you will have life everlasting. Jesus doesn't follow us. We follow Jesus. So you got to start lowering your expectations of what this world will offer you. And start raising your expectations of the promises God has for you. If you keep asking Jesus to follow you, the life you want will elude you. But Jesus, he's pursuing you. And that pursuit started thousands of years ago when he left splendor for shame. And he entered into our world And he was ridiculed and mocked and beaten and tortured and ultimately crucified on a cross and then buried, but rose again 
so that all who want to follow him, who all who want to put their faith in him can have new life, joy, purpose, pleasure, not only in this world, but life everlasting. And the Sermon on the Mount just told us, blessed are the humble. And humility and meekness, man, it is a willingness to follow Jesus even when his plans aren't yours. Because his way, it's just better. It's a life you truly want. God has a life for you so amazing, so joy-centered, purpose-filled. It will blow your mind and you're not going to get it on your own. You're not. Only Jesus will satisfy the cravings of your heart. Because God made you and he made you for him. So my question today is what, what, would, it, what would it look like for you to, to begin following Jesus and to stop asking him to follow you? For those of you who are a Christian in the room, Where are you perpetually asking Jesus to come follow you? And you just are determined to make your own way. And it's just not working. Man, I just, I pray that maybe today would be the day you're tired enough to believe he's not going to follow you. But there's never going to be a day or a moment in your life where he doesn't say, follow me regardless of your past or your background or your baggage or the amount of failures that you've had. He's going to say, come on, let's go, follow me. So for the Christians right now who are watching, one thing that you keep asking Jesus to follow you on, that you need to be humble and meek and say, you know, follow me, I follow you. What is it? What is it? And for those of you who are not Christians, every week we're so glad that you're tuning in. Every week we have people respond to the gospel. And even though we're not connected in person, this is an opportunity for you to connect with the living God. And I want to plead with you as an ambassador of Jesus Christ, as one who knows the good news of Jesus, I'm inviting you to follow Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have all of your questions answered. Man, I I still am learning what it means to follow Jesus. But if right now in your life, in your heart, man, it's burning. You're like, I need and want Jesus. I'm tired of running my own life. I want to surrender and follow. Then right now in this moment, here's what you do. You say yes to Jesus. You say, dear God, I've run my own life long enough. And I want to follow you. And I'm not asking you to follow me. I want to surrender my life to you. I believe that my sins were paid for on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead and live again. And I want to give my life to you right now. And I want to become a son or daughter of the king right now. Do that. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth, that Jesus is Lord and God raised them from the dead. You will be saved. Ask Jesus now and you'll be saved. And if you do that, if you did that right now, I want you to text the word, text the word today to 623-623. That's gonna come right to our team. We're gonna follow up with you. We're gonna love you. We're not gonna embarrass with you. We're gonna celebrate you. We just wanna know you. Don't wait. 
pick up your phone right now. Text the word today to 623-623. Love you guys. Let's follow Jesus together. Amen. Amen.